forgot how we start episodes. How do we? Um, <laughs> how do we do this thing? How do we again? do this? Do we? T- is, it, <laughs> is it hello and welcome, or is it like, hi, hello? <laughs> no, that's the old <laughs> one. <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh, we should never skip a week. <laughs> remember how to do this we okay got, we forgot forgot we gotta <laughs> create a new greeting okay. real quick <laughs> we just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations yeah we try to know what we're talking about but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees <laughs> it's mainly for entertainment Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. Hello and welcome to Freudian Sips, the podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. We remembered how to do we it. We figured it out. Yeah. We got we were, there. We were having a, a some kind of crisis. We existential, were, I don't know. It might have been like existential was, crisis. We weren't sure how to jump into the jump <laughs> rope today. <laughs> That's a really good way to say it. Yeah. Jumping into the jump rope for me is a very bad memory as a child very bad what did you like eat pavement i was terrible at jumping no mostly i'd get hit in the face with a jump (laughs) that seems strange considering how short you are (laughs) (laughs) that that was mean what that tells me me is that the people you were jumping rope with were not good at doing the jump they were spinning it too fast they were like close to the ground yeah something like that no, it would be when it would come down. I would just wait just a second too long and it'd be on its descent. Uh, and then it would smack me in the face. <laughs> so what you're saying is you waited until it was at like its apex to jump in when you should anticipate where it's going to be. That's exactly it. Yeah. I was afraid. I was fearful. I had a lot of issues as a kid. When I was a kindergartner, I failed skipping. So I guess I come by it honestly. Sorry. That might be a genetic thing. <laughs> Sorry, she the skipping gene, it just skips like three generations at a time. That's why they call it the skipping gene. <laughs> That's a good one, Anna. Thanks. I like that. I got- <laughs> You're a funny girl. Good thing the funny gene didn't skip a generation. We should <laughs> That's just every generation. We should like say hello, Sipsters. I mean, I know we already said hello as our Oh, reading. hello, Sipsters. Are you oh, here? Oh, uh, hi. I didn't see you there. <laughs> oh, sorry. We were kind of in our own little world we were today. Just, just shooting the shit, and then we decided to do our greeting, and then we just kept shooting the shit. <laughs> it is great to have you with us again. Thank Welcome you back for from joining Spookyville. Us. I'm glad your return trip was Ooh. safe. We made it out of Spookyville. I am so glad. Mom doesn't really like Spookyville. I'm not really into Spookyville, no. Mm-mm. I think the stuff we talked about was fine. I had fun. Okay. I enjoyed Spookyville. Spookyville can be fun. If you're with the right person. But Funville just doesn't sound very good. <laughs> so Spookyville is what it's called. So now we're in, what are we in now? Thankfulville? Common time? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> where to go with that i go into my like religious brain and it's ordinary time that's what i that's the joke i was trying to make was ordinary time yeah ordinary time 
yeah. didn't do it right. We really, really get messed that it up. We got to start the episode over again. <laughs> but it is common. <laughs> but um, we're heading toward Thanksgiving, so we, we can are. be thankful. We're in thankful time. Yeah, okay. and then we're in Christmas time. And then I keep seeing time. these things about gratitude everywhere, which I don't know about you, Anna, but that's one of the things I use in my sessions with people, like gratitude journals and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially depressed, not quite so often depression. That gratitude is a good way to fight depression. I often suggest journaling to my clients and they don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to be honest. I don't often suggest journaling specifically yeah. because I kind of feel like that I've ship kind of has sailed. Sto- yeah, I've kind of stopped suggesting it as much because it just doesn't. But I do, Unless they, they bring up like right. writing or something. But you can be mindful of your gratitude without having to write it down. And you could just every day take a minute to be thankful for what you have. Yeah, I usually do it more like that and, and even more like in the moment. Like when something happens that's good, like acknowledge it in the right. moment. Mindfulness, yeah. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up for mindfulness. Can you talk about our chairs? <laughs> she just got so I happy. I am so excited. My <laughs> bottom is very happy in this chair. <laughs> we got new chairs. And so we like are almost professional we, in uh, our chairs. We, we were sitting on stools that I had bought for my, because we record in my, what I call my art room. It's just where I keep my art stuff. And we had been sitting on stools that were it's up It's not there. just where you keep your art stuff. It's where you create. Sure, yeah. There's a serious creative mojo going on up here. <laughs> Is that why we record up here? Because it's just the yes, mojo. It's The creative. mojo that I have birthed up here. <laughs> Is very, very creative. I feel very comfortable in this space. Well, now we feel even more comfortable because instead of stools, we're sitting in like they're drafting chairs and they're just very, very comfortable. I mean, they're meant to like sit in for hours at a time. So, and I could. It's very My nice. My butt is so comfortable. Her butt's so happy. My back's happy too. This is the happy butt episode. <laughs> <laughs> but we're like almost professional. Man, I can't now. believe I already got the title already. I'm writing it down. Happy butt episode. That cannot be the name of the... No. (laughs) Fine. But we are grateful. We are having gratitude for our new chairs. Gratitude for our new chairs. I want to tell the people about a thing I have gratitude for. Tell the people. Tell the Sipsters. So this past week, Monday and Tuesday, I went to a conference um, about... It's called TBRI. It's called Trust-Based Relational Intervention. And it's like nurture and support based. Uh, it's it's a, a, st- a counseling style. And it was really cool. It was a cool conference and everything was great. But one of the things the guy was talking about was Harlow, Harry Harlow, mm. and the monkey experiment and mm. like the basically the isolation part of it and the how we need nurture and how that experiment goes back to how we need nurture. And, and we talked about the monkeys. Do you remember what they episode? were recently? Thirty five. Ah, okay. Yeah. So we just so talked it's fresh about on it. your mind. It, yeah. You saw I actually kind of was zoned a little bit because I'm like, I know all this. I didn't really tell ah. me that. But he told me a great postscript like he told the people i was there uh about (laughs) how the the monkeys that went through this that were like isolated from their mothers they were introduced back into like monkey colonies and then they were kind of given to a monkey that hadn't been through that who was like a kind of a normal development monkey and that monkey would like be their therapy monkey (laughs) and and they would like he told me that he told me. I was there. He told us. That <laughs> but you felt like he was talking right to me. He was talking you. right to me. Because <laughs> this was right an into issue my for heart. <laughs> and he said that these monkeys, the, the ones that were isolated, would like curl up in the corner and not want to interact with the other monkeys. Aww. And then these 
these monkeys would go over to them and like put their arms around them and just kind of like sit there for a while. And then he said weeks later, these monkeys would be indistinguishable from the monkeys that hadn't been isolated. So if you like went to see them, like Uh look at the monkeys, like you wouldn't be able to tell which ones were therapy monkeys, guys. Not a joke. I'm so excited. So all those monkeys we were so worried about who had yes. gone through those terrible they They got traumas. therapy monkey buddies and then they felt better. Oh, I'm so glad. I wonder whose idea that was. Someone that probably wasn't Harry Harlow. Probably. A little turd. Probably bucket. one of his like assistants or whatever that was so disgusted by what was happening. Yeah. And then when it was over, they were like, we're going to fix this. If you search Harlow social recovery, it's like the first picture. Is that it, the picture you sent me? With yeah. With the little monkeys hugging each other? Oh, I want one of those monkeys to hug me. I I want I, I want, want to hug to a monkey. I want to be the monkey that's hugging another the monkey. monkey hugger. The you monkey are. hugger. That's me. You are kind of a monkey. Hugger. <laughs> you monkey hugger. That just sounds like like Die Hard is on TV, <laughs> and they're trying to yippee kaye monkey hugger. <laughs> I'm going to start to use that. <laughs> oh, this is stupid. What the hell are we talking about? Um, okay, well, thank you for sharing that. That's kind of you. a follow-up on that it episode. Is. It's a little, mm-hmm. little postscript on it. I like that. But we should talk about what, what we are talking talk about. about yes. Okay. So our topic today actually comes from a sipster suggestion. A suggestion? Mm, I like a a submission? Submission. Submission. Okay. Suggestion. I don't know. I like suggestion. Suggestion. So I'm going to read the email. Mm-hmm. Hello, big fan here. I was just wondering if you could do a podcast episode on cross-dressing. A friend of mine does this, and it is hard to find information on what it is and what it means. Thank you for your consideration, Sophia. Oh. <laughs> I love the thank you for your consideration. (laughs) It's like we're interviewing her for a job. (laughs) Sophia, sweetie. You don't have to be so formal with us. We're just Bonnie We're just your girls. Sophia, we love you. You're very cute. Okay. (laughs) So we are talking about cross-dressing today. (laughs) So then we're going to do that. Because she was so cute in her little email. She's so cute. If you send us an email and you're cute, we'll do your episode. That's it. You should send her a sticker. I should send her a sticker. She, you need her address, though. So you I'm need send, to email I'm her, send her back. Email her. Yeah, okay. I did email her back because she, sorry, Sophia, she she emailed me this a month ago. Oh my. And I was like, I'm so sorry. We have episodes planned for Halloween. We mm. won't be able to do this until after October. And she's like, that's totally fine. I fangirled when you emailed me back. Oh. It was so sweet. Okay, she's you need to cute. give her a sticker. Okay, she gets two stickers. <laughs> <laughs> one for her and one for her friend. <laughs> Both for her. There you go. Okay. So as we did research for this, it's a little, I said to Anna, for me, when I was doing research for this, the word I used was fuzzy because there are so many directions and so many lines that are very, very blurry sometimes. Blurry lines. That's the way I'd like to say it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, this is one of those episodes that I always feel very nervous to do because there are times when we talk about things and we make jokes about them and Mm -hmm. I get a little paranoid that we're going to offend someone right so i'm starting off this episode by saying if we are making jokes in this episode we are not making fun of people we're making jokes to have jokes just to laugh just to laugh and sometimes it coincides with what we're talking about sometimes not i think that's really important to both of us 
Yeah. That we never, ever, ever want anyone to think that we're making fun of a situation that is very serious to you. Mm-hmm. So so we are very conscious about, like, we don't want to do anything that's going to offend anyone. Right. So I do want to assure you guys that we are going to try to approach this with the utmost respect, just like we try to approach everything we talk about. Right. Sometimes there's a little irreverence, but I think mostly we're pretty woke. <laughs> so... Get, <laughs> Sorry. I'm sorry. Pause the episode. Dead stop. What was that noise about? She's flailing her arms about. She's I'm sorry. I have a thing about that word. Apparently so. Are you alright? I think it might be out of stroke. Sorry. Okay, if I end up cutting if I end up cutting this later. Please know that this this has lasted for like a minute and a half. Oh, okay, I'm back. <laughs> I don't know why I reacted. Oh my I actually God. was laughing about the weird noise <laughs> I made. I don't know where that noise came from. It's kind of like when you're at a party and you snort real loud when you're laughing and then you get really embarrassed. Yeah. You, you have to leave the party immediately. Yeah, yeah sorry about that. Sorry. So, oh my God. Oh, I lost myself Holy for cow, a moment. Like 15 minutes and we have Well, wait, I think it was because we're talking about how careful we're not going to be about laughing. We got it. So <laughs> I think that is, hopefully if we make jokes about this, it's because we're just being stupid and not yeah, okay. because we're offending anybody. Okay. So let's start with a basic discussion on what cross-dressing is, and specifically I want to talk about how it may or may not fit into the LGBTQ community. Right. So basically cross-dressing is when a person wears clothes typically worn by another gender, or uh, what's expected to be worn by another gender. That's a good way to say it. We'll talk about this a little later. That is mainly according to society. Mm -hmm. We'll, We'll have that discussion more in depth. But what I want to say is that cross-dressing does not equal transgender. It does not equal any particular sexuality. Mm-hmm. It's it's its own thing. They may overlap, but it's not like they're one and the same. This is my time to do my obligatory comment that I do whenever we talk about gender, about how gender identity is different than sexuality, and specifically now how cross-dressing might have to do with one or both of those things, but it could also do with neither of those things. Exactly. It could be standing on its own and doesn't have to do with either of those. Mm -hmm. Cross-dressing is about the clothes themselves and about whatever the clothes are doing for the person. It doesn't have to do uh, with gender identity, which trans like transgender stuff is specifically. Right. So it's not like if you see someone and they are cross-dressing that they are transgender. Right. That's not, those aren't the same thing. Right. We'll talk about how they may overlap, but they're not the same thing. We're not talking about that today. I mean, we're going to end up talking about it, Mm -hmm. but not specifically. A little bit of my bona fides here. I've worked with a lot of people in the LGBTQ community, and several of them have kind of struggled with these issues specifically like deciding which of these apply to them. Uh, One of my very first clients, actually, mom, you know this, was they came to my office, assigned male at birth, identifying as trans, identifying as a trans woman. Mm -hmm. And eventually the conversation kind of became, am I really trans or am I just dressing as a woman because I like to do that? Right. And so there are a lot of, like mom said, kind of blurry blurry lines lines here. Exactly. Even for the people experiencing it. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what we need to be conscious about. That even if we're talking to someone about this and like someone that is 
engaging in this stuff, right. they may not know. Exactly. And that's where it goes back again, like we always, always, every episode go back to self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And this might be something, if you are involved in this, or if you have a friend who's involved in this, it does take a lot of... Self-insight. Thank you. You know, looking looking inward and, yeah. and asking yourself, what is it? What what does this mean to me? Why is this valuable to me? Why do I enjoy right. this? And it's it's all comes down to self-awareness again. Yep. And it comes down to the person on the outside being empathetic to that. Right. And being open to being there and being non-judgmental and giving them a safe place to explore that if they need right. to. We are so quick in our humanness. It's not even just society. It's our humanness that we, when we look at something, we see something that we tend to put people in categories and put labels on people. Yeah. And that's, in part of that's a safety thing. I mean, we kind of like to have those labels and those, so we can kind of make sense of things. Sure. Yeah. But, we like putting things in categories. Right. It helps us parse the world. Right. But sometimes but those categories really are things we ascribe to people and they're not the categories those people want to be in exactly. or think they are in. And that's more valid than what we think about them, quite frankly. Exactly. Like what they think about themselves is more valid than what we think about them. Because they're them and they're they them. get to decide. Exactly. So if we need to be aware of our own biases and our own kind of assumptions about people. Yep. Hopefully this episode will do that. will allow you to be a little more open-minded if this is something that you're kind of judgy about. Mm-hmm. Don't be judgy. If it's something we're a little confused about, you might still be confused at the yeah, end. Yeah, well, <laughs> we may not help you with that. That's the that's on us. Part might that's just, our bad. Yeah. <laughs> the judgy we can work on. The confusion, uh, not so much. It's kind well, of a confusing thing. We're going to try to work on both, but you know, no promises. I don't want to make promises I can't keep. Okay. So... We'll get into some specific reasons that people may get into cross-dressing. In general, though, it may be things like enjoying the feeling of women's clothes or men's clothes if they're a woman, although we'll kind of get into how that is not as um, judged Mm -hmm. as men wearing women's clothes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The excitement of pushing the limits of societal acceptance. And I think women have that too, especially like when women wear suits and stuff, Mm -hmm. that that's kind of, it, it verges onto like, getting into society's face about it. Mm-hmm. They may just enjoy the feeling of risk-taking. Like, someone's going to catch me doing this, and they're going to not like it, and I'm going to be judged for it. Like, some people may be kind of searching for that judgment and that kind of getting in the face of society and what mm-hmm. people think and, and norms and taboos and all that stuff. But again, there's a lot of reasons mm-hmm. that people could be into cross-dressing or pe- could be engaging into cross-dressing kind of out of necessity almost. So kind of going into the history of cross-dressing, basically, uh, especially for historical women wanting traditionally masculine jobs, cross-dressing was very common. One of my favorite examples is Anne Bonny and Mary Reed mm-hmm. were women in the 18th century who dressed as men to join pirate crews. <laughs> Separately, I actually. Pirates. 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 They were pirates. They were, they were very good pirates, there was a actually. pirate named Bonny. That's what I like about it. Was, I realize her that's her last Anne name. Bonny. <laughs> It's both it's of us, us together. <laughs> I know. BuzzFeed has a video about these two, and it's very good. You should watch it. Okay. Um, but they dressed as men to join pirate crews like separately, and then they met, and they kind of learned each other's true identity, and they became super close friends to protect each other's identity. They ended up getting captured and getting like stays of execution because they were both pregnant. Oh, my gosh. So apparently someone knew their true identity. <laughs> But yeah, there's there's a long history of women dressing, oh, especially in wars. This is also very common mm-hmm. that women would dress as men to serve in wars. Right. 
because for a long, long time, women couldn't do that. Right. So that was that was very common. There's a lot of stories out there about that. I always think about Mulan. Oh yeah. And which is actually based on on some historical truth mm-hmm. about this young woman who yeah. dressed as a man to be in the army. Yeah, we'll make a man out of you. Yeah, I love I love that song. Ooh, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so much okay. for the chair. New chairs are a bad idea. Mom is now I, a foot shorter. <laughs> You hit the thing that makes it a foot shorter. Have you never sat in a chair before? Hello. (laughs) Welcome back. Uh, Did I say something wrong? And I I feel like I said something wrong. You like push the the chair punished you. I put I have an eject button on my keyboard. (laughs) If I get too out of hand, you push the button. It's like a cane <laughs> when someone's talking to it, or when someone stops the music during an award speech or starts it or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I would like to make a note here about how a lot of historical figures who are now thought to have been cross-dressing may have been trans. So this is usually according to like journals that they identify as trans and then they are painted in a, oh, they were cross-dressing to do this and that. Mm-hmm. But if there's no personal account, then it's really hard to know how they identified. Because like we just said, that's what identity is. Like the person gets to choose. Mm -hmm. So in these historical cases, a lot of times we don't have that record. We don't have them saying, I identify as a male. We just have, they dressed as a male and then they were outed as female, Right, and so society put the story on it. Yeah, exactly. A really specific example I want to bring up is a jazz artist named Billy Tipton who lived as a male and was only revealed to be a female, to have female genitalia, I will say, after death in mm. 1989. So I'm going to use masculine pronouns. 1989. Mm-hmm. I know. No, I'm going to use masculine pronouns for Billy because there's a lot of discourse on whether Billy was trans or cross-dressing. Uh, according to accounts of his life, he began dressing as a man in 1933, and he started to do it because in the jazz music industry, that was how to get accepted, was to mm-hmm. be a man. It included binding his breasts, it included dressing as a man, and once he got more seriously into his music career, he decided to more permanently adopt a male gender identity. This included living as a male in his private life, including getting married, like five times, and adopting kids. I mean, he had a family. Hmm. And even his intimate partners and his children didn't know that he was assigned male at birth. So he kept it secret from everyone. Hmm. And so there are a lot of people who say, like, because he kept it so secret, that maybe yeah, but points it to ru- being trans. But it would have ruined his career or it would have changed his that's career. That's true. And that's kind of the other side of the argument is we don't have personal accounts from Billy saying, right. I identify as a woman and this is why I'm doing this well, or I identify as a man. Apparently his wives knew he was... No. Okay. He said he had been in a car wreck and that his genitalia and his ribs had been broken. Oh. And Hmm. so he kept it from them. His wife or his his partner, I don't know if he was legally married, his partner that he had adopted kids with, uh, Kitty, found out with everyone else basically like during the autopsy. Wow. And she tried to keep it from the public, but then it got, Billy got outed basically. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of, I mean- outing someone is horrible like i mean even after death it's just a horrible situation so we don't know what billy wanted to do and we don't know how billy identified because Mm -hmm. you know he didn't really have any personal logs that would Hmm. say it so we don't know if this is a case of being transgender or cross-dressing for a purpose you know for a specific reason so it's very hard to kind of 
get a feel of that without personal account. Because like I said, that's what matters. What matters is what the person wants and how the person identifies. Um, so there's definitely discussion in and out of the trans community about whether Billy was transgender or just assuming a male identity as a form of basically job security, like you said. Right. But that kind of leads into the discussion of people doing it for outside reasons like theater and stuff. And I mm-hmm. think you're going to tell us about that. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of history, because this would go back quite a ways, you know, where pretty much everybody is aware that, you know, in early theater that women were not allowed on stage. The tradition of men portraying women on the stage dates all the way back to the theater of the ancient Greeks. And we've seen those movies and we've heard those stories, you know, about, um, I was telling Anna before we started our podcast today that one of my very favorite movies is Shakespeare in Love. (laughs) And um, it's basically about that. It's basically about this young woman who wants to be an actor. And in that day, women could not be actors because basically women on stage equated, uh, was equated to being a loose woman, being a prostitute. Oh, sure. Uh, having no morals, et cetera, et cetera. And so the women... <laughs> and it's still that way <laughs> and today. And it's like that. Uh, <laughs> you know theater people. <laughs> We're both theater people, I could say I that. I was going to say, we <laughs> could say that. But this in the movie, she she binds herself and and go because she wants sure. to act so bad. She has So to, she wait a minute. <laughs> it's a double it's a double. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Because then they used she, men as women. Right. Well, she played a man's role. Oh, she played a man. The, yeah. Interesting. But in the in the movie, you need to watch the movie because it's really good. Shakespeare is attracted to her and has oh it's a Mulan situation yes and has (laughs) exactly and has these odd feelings because you know is this a man Mm -hmm. am I attracted to a man and Mm -hmm. whatever but there's a a very steamy these guys are bi that's what I'm saying here (laughs) there's a very steamy scene when she when she unbinds herself and it's like whoa (laughs) so anyway what are we talking about again okay all right yeah mom got a little hot and bothered So yes, in the early theater, men played all the roles, and so therefore they would have young men, boys, play the girls' roles because they were more effeminate right. at that age, and they were able to come across as women. And the idea was this weird, talk about fuzziness, this weird thing about they it was inappropriate to actually have women on the stage because it would make them be loose. But it's, it's but, okay but it, to like pretend to kiss a 13-year-old boy. Yeah, isn't that basically. weird? It's it's a very weird, uh, I don't know. It I makes me know. uncomfortable. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm weirded out. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> many of the same concepts, you know, the, about, about the women and where they should be. Women should be in the house having their babies and being faithful to their husband, not on a stage. Many of those same things form the core of the 17th century English dynamics So all throughout the time of Shakespeare and Queen Elizabeth, all that time in there, which I'm terrible with history, but you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) There are years. You know those years. Insert numbers here. People who are good at history. (laughs) If you think about that, though, it's so unfair that women, if you wanted to be an actress, if you wanted to have that, you just weren't even getting. And not only was it not expected, but it was like illegal. Yeah. For many times in many places, it was actually illegal. Let me read this one particular sentence because it says specifically... Though there is evidence that women acted in street performances and in other notorious venues, all commercial acting companies of the time were made up entirely of men, and it was illegal for women to act on a stage professionally until 1661. So there was a long time where women just couldn't 
couldn't be on stage. I want to open a theater called the Notorious Venue, and I want it to be all female productions. <laughs> okay. I like it. You can it. do that. You I'm going to do it. You want. Tweet um, me if you want to be in my Notorious Venue production. Can I do a production. side note, Anna, that's going to sure. burn your butt? Oh, it's no. It's going to burn your butt. Sure. Yeah. It's going to make you get a soapbox out. All right. I'm and maybe my, I'm unfolding it. I I'm do remember it. hearing this in undergrad many, many years ago, but I think I must have suppressed it <laughs> or repressed it maybe because I, I didn't I can not never remember the difference, it. but yeah. Yeah. Because it's about um, Plato and Hippocrates. Oh, dang. You really went on a I went a into rabbit hole, a rabbit huh? hole. I did. Because the whole idea, this whole thing about women not being able to be on stage was was for a couple of reasons. And, and mostly because women were supposed to only be mothers and wives. They were supposed to be in the house. And part of that stems from just the way that women were looked at in those centuries. And this is what I was going to refer, this is where I want you to to hear this because it really has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I am about. gripping my beer ready to Here like goes. break it on the side of the table and make a knife. The medical traditions in the time of Plato and Hippocrates held that female humans were essentially incomplete or unfinished males, a phenomenon caused by a lack of heat that would have otherwise resulted in the formation of male genitalia. A lack of heat? <laughs> A lack of heat? <laughs> we didn't cook, they didn't cook long enough? We didn't enough? cook long enough so our penises did not develop. That's the whole point. <laughs> I'm just saying. Do you remember studying that? In under- no! That's or- ridiculous. <laughs> they don't teach that because it's messed up. What? So it follows that women were understood as being much weaker because we were basically underdeveloped. We were undercooked, basically, and more prone to psychological and physical ailment and in need of supervision and control and at times even restraint by men because they were the one true sex. So out of this grew things like that we couldn't handle being on stage because not only was it looked upon like it was wrong to be on the stage because you could be a prostitute or whatever. But it led us into that life. Because we, we don't want any undercooked dough on the stage. <laughs> right. I think we all started as women and men cook too long. <laughs> They're burnt. Plato. Take that, Plato. Take that, Plato. Tweet me. Send tweet, Plato. So... It wasn't just the ancient Greeks who had men playing females. There were there were other societies that did that. Obviously, Japanese theater, yeah, uh, Chinese theater, all have males playing female roles. But it wasn't only in theater that men played women's roles, but that women played men's roles as well. And I always liked that. Um, help me, Anna. It's like called uh, breeches. Pants rolls? Pants rolls or breeches rolls or there's like trouser rolls. Trouser rolls, yeah. yeah. Where women dressed as men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it kind of goes back to what Anna said that sometimes it was a necessity because they wanted to get a job. So they played a male role. I distinctly remember a production of Oliver where Oliver was played by a female. Ah. Because she was more lithe. She was more like agile. And one of the roles that comes to mind right away when you think of that is Peter Pan. Oh, yeah. For yeah, generations, yeah, yeah. Peter Pan has been played by a woman in on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that kind of boyish thing. And Yeah. Keep- and so the real messed up thing about this is when men play women, you may be about to touch on this, mm-hmm. it's often for comedy. Right. Because what just popped into my head was hairspray mm-hmm. and how the mom is always played by a man mm-hmm. and how it's always like a comedic role. Right. I, and like... 
the comedy comes from that's a man in women's clothing. <laughs> exactly. So I, I've and I've seen like the the movie John Travolta actually did this kind of well when he played it. I love the movie. That, yeah. He was great and like I, I think there was the gimmick of it, but I think he just did good in the role. Right. Right. So I think there was that, but. It's often just played for comedy. Right. And that's kind of messed up. Right. And that is, that's a huge theme that often in modern theater and movies yeah. and film, whatever, usually when a man dresses as a woman, it's for comedy. When, it's a, a joke. when a woman dresses as a man, it's for like, she needs to be a man. See, like half of Shakespeare's plays. It mm-hmm. happened a lot in Shakespeare's Twelfth, Twelfth Night comes Twelfth to Night's mind. The first one that comes to my mind too. But it, there was a couple more that happened. And I think I don't know about you, Anna, but I think you know more about Shakespeare than I do. But I think he realized how messed up it was. I think he was definitely the, doing some social commentary. Yeah, yes. that the men were playing in women's parts, and so he had these plays, several of them, right, where there would be this. And so if you Big think reveal, about that, yeah. yeah, if you think about that, they were. I can't even say it right. The men were playing women who were playing men. Yeah. You know, it's like it was just in like the play making, they had making the, a farcical situation of what was an actual in life situation. Exactly. I think I personally think that Shakespeare did that. Billy Shakes did some real good social commentary. I think he was a lot. I don't know how I want to say this. A lot deeper than maybe. We I mean, give he him was deeper. For. He was also a lot cheekier. He <laughs> maybe was just that's real it. cheeky. Maybe that's the way to say it. He was kind of more in your face, yeah. like you know. He was definitely like, "This is messed up. Uh-huh. I'm gonna write a thing about it." Uh-huh. So there have been, it's gone both ways. You guys know there have been so many movies through the years that have had cross-dressing used for different situations. I, I always think about that movie from the 50s, um, Some Like It Hot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With Marilyn Monroe and these two guys who had to dress like women. Yep. They were escaping and that's one of my favorite. It's a great old movie. But you can even look more modern, like if you think about Tootsie and oh, sure. um, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Those situations where there was a cross-dressing situation going on because because of necessity of the character you know like they had to do right do something. in universe it's necessity but in the film it's played as comedy right whereas when women do it it's played for drama exactly and that's not fair did you ever see the movie victor victoria with um no julie andrews no i did not sound of music lady i, I know who julie andrews is mother can play <laughs> i can't <laughs> This was a big thing when I was young, seeing Julie Andrews play this part. Because it was, was it? like, it was kind of a scandalous. Really? I mean, yeah, that was a while back. I don't I know, don't when know that came the out. plot. Was it, is she a, is she, a woman, she's not trans, is A she? woman playing a man. Well, there was that blurriness. Right. You know, she was doing it out of necessity of her, of her career. Okay. That it was like a, a woman playing a man who could be this amazing, I don't know what kind of vocal... It would have been mezzo-soprano or whatever. But it was like a double. It was, again, like a double thing. Right. A woman playing a man playing a woman. Because there's still controversy in Hollywood at trans roles being given to cis people. Right. So there's still controversy about that. But that's not really like a pants role. No. That's a That's That's a whole different different issue. Well, and that kind of leads us into the whole idea of drag and of the idea of how that has changed. Tell us about drag. Well, I don't know that I can tell you a lot about it, but I will tell you a little about it. The idea of a drag queen was first used in print in 1941. Really? That's kind of hard to believe. Huh. And in 1941, it was it was measured in this way that it was a man that dresses either as part of a performance or for personal fulfillment. In this thing way back in 1941, it even way back then said that some of the people were doing it specifically, well, in 41, they worded it differently, but they were doing it in fact because 
that meant something to them, you know, they, that they were fulfilled in some way by doing that. And some of them were just doing it as part of the job. So again, we go back to the comedy. There's a lot of comedy with drag, but there are also people who take that very seriously. I think drag for a lot of people is art. I We've agree. talked a little bit about how make, did we talk about that on the show? <laughs> but like, I can never remember what we Sometimes talked about on the show. We just talk but about like, it. I have a, a little kiddo who does makeup, uh-huh. and we're actually kind of trying to figure out if they identify as trans. But assigned male at birth does makeup. That's art. I mean, that's that's right. an art form. Right. And I think the people who do drag view it as that a lot. I mean, just the the, the performance art right. of it. Right. So it's not so much okay. So back to what you were talking about about sexual identity. Mm-hmm. For many of those people, it's not so much sexual identity as it is an art form. I would say that, but I I do believe there are a lot of of gay males like in the drag business. That was one of the things that I read that the majority are gay, but that doesn't mean they all are. No, There's, there are several. Again, cis- it's not a correlation equals causation kind of thing. Right. Right. It's not a A equals B. It's right. a maybe there is a higher percentage of X as mm-hmm. crossdressers, but that doesn't mean that someone who is doing that is necessarily right attracted to a certain gender. And there are like words that are thrown around when you talk about drag, things like a drag king, which I have to admit I know very little about. It has wide meaning. Okay. It says. The way I read that was that it's kind of a controversial term Mm -hmm. and that like someone who is assigned male at birth and is a trans female. Right. Is that opposite? That's opposite. But I know what you mean. Say it again and I think, okay. Women who who dress as men and perform as hyper-masculine are called drag kings. That's one of the terms. Okay. So like a... I read it backwards then because I also read that like people who were assigned female at birth but are trans males who are doing trans men who are doing drag say they're drag kings did i read that wrong i read that wrong no maybe not because it says that there that it's used in other other ways too this is one of those times though anna and sipsters when it gets it to me it gets confused it's almost like i need to write it down to right. keep it straight because i don't want to insult anyone yeah. about which you know which direction we're going with certain words so i get that no it's yeah women who dress as men and perform as so, like they're, okay they're putting on this we're hyper- both right okay because a drag king i'm reading is is a female assigned person Right. Who adopts a masculine persona, like you said. Uh-huh. But also female assigned people who are trans men. Right. And self-identifying as a drag king. Got it. And that this is usually considered like not right or controversial right. or inaccurate. The other thing that uh, that I read that's, that is kind of controversial is that idea of that they call uh, a bio queen or a faux queen. What? <laughs> I'm telling you, I went deep into that rabbit Fo, hole. Like F-O? Fo, like F O? Faux, F A U X. Oh, faux. <laughs> yeah, uh, like faux. the like the regular yeah. word faux. Yeah, faux. <laughs> not like faux, faux queen or not a like bi- faux show. No. <laughs> and that's a female, a Who's person who identifies as persona. Female. Right, right. Whoo, that's a lot that's of complicated. Lot. I would stuff. say that goes into the performance art thing, mm-hmm. but I do think. The, the drag queen persona has become very associated with, like, identity and, like, LGBTQ stuff. Right. And how that is, like, it's kind of an, it's it's a hard line to draw on whether that's being insensitive or not to, like, like where culture is with that, right, basically. Right. It goes back again, though, all the way back to what you said about each person having to identify for themselves. Right. What that means for them and why they're doing it and right. what, you know. 
Okay, what else should we talk about? Um, I want to talk real quick about the use of cross-dressing in sexual fetishism, which I, I, don't, I don't know how common it is. I don't have the statistics on that. There is something in the DSM-5 called transvestic fetishism, mm-hmm. which, I mean, is a diagnosis, obviously. This does not mean that cross-dressing is deviancy. Right. I want to make that super clear because this social taboo thing plays into this really big because especially men get hit really hard with this label of deviancy for something like cross-dressing, which goes back to the fact that women wearing men's clothes is more accepted. Mm -hmm. And so like if they are cross-dressing, quote unquote, they won't be as judged and labeled for it as a man doing the same thing would. And the fact that something is in the DSM does not mean that being diagnosed with it or struggling with it equals a person being a deviant or in this case like a sexual pervert or something like there are a lot of things in the dsm and the purpose of the dsm is to create a common language for medical professionals it's not to make value judgments so i think when someone hears like the term transvestic fetishism it seems very like kind of perverted fetish tends to lead fetish tends to do that but also like I don't know if you were going to mention this, but cross-dressing people used to be called transvestites mm-hmm. or trannies in the worst case. Mm-hmm. That is not cool anymore. The cross-dressing community does not like that word because it has this kind of connotation to it. Mm-hmm. And so when we hear the term transvestic fetishism, it's just like a double punch in the face of like, wow, that seems like a really messed up thing. <laughs> right. And it's not. It's just a diagnosis so medical professionals can look at a chart and be like, oh, this is the person I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not not to make a value judgment it's not to say like this is the entirety of who this person is but in the dsm to be diagnosed with transvestic fetishism a person has to be cross-dressing to one specifically be for the purposes of deriving sexual pleasure from it and two that this has to cause distress or dysfunction in the person which is that's really important it is very important and that that is a clause in a lot of dsm diagnoses Mm -hmm. where we can't diagnose someone with something if they're not experiencing distress from it right we like cannot do that that is unethical for us to do something has to be causing someone impairment in their life for us to give them this label mm-hmm. and this is especially true with this if someone's cross-dressing in a sexual context but they are into it and their partner is into it and they don't have any guilt about doing it and they don't have any shame or concern that this will negatively affect them like cool awesome do you that's fine we're not going to diagnose them with transvestic fetishism because they're doing that in their private life and they're fine with it and that everyone's fine with it like that is that's not going to happen you know it's it's not like someone is going to be diagnosed with this if they are not suffering from it right basically right we have to be suffering from something it has to to be affecting you negatively exactly life yes so I did want to put that in because that is in the DSM. And since this is a psychology podcast, we should talk about the DSM. I like when you quote the DSM, baby. There you go, man. But yeah. Makes makes that master's degree work. (laughs) I went to school for this. We got a big old book. for this. I have a piece of paper. (laughs) And books. And books. I stopped buying books like a year into our program. (laughs) It's like, mom, you going to get the book for this? Can I like look at it sometimes? I got all the books. She has all the books. And I have some PDFs that I pirated. (laughs) Yeah. So I have like three DSM-5s though. I you do. do have a lot of I have like one at home, one in my office, <laughs> one in my purse. You have a really cool one that's spiral bound. I'm really jealous I of your like spiral bound DSM. Oh. 
Okay, but that's that's the side note that I wanted to go on about the DSM because I know that being diagnosed with something can t- sometimes be contentious. Right. So I wanted to clear the air. So why don't we just step for just a very brief moment into just this general idea of like clothes. Yeah. Who decides yeah. who wears what? I mean, it's all completely culturally based. You know, we were talking about, obviously, you know, here in the Midwest, we would probably not go to work in a, if we were a man in a kilt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, however, in some societies, you know, I mean, traditionally speaking anyway, I don't know that they wear quilts. Uh, quilts. Quilts. <laughs> I doubt that they wear quilts I would love to wear a quilt to work. <laughs> Let me I tell you. I actually saw some school kids the other day walking down the street because they didn't have coats on, but they were wrapped in quilts. Oh, and I was like, blankets. oh, cool. no. We should all just wear blankets to buy work a, every day. Buy a coat. <laughs> I have scolded several of my clients this week about not wearing coats. Yeah, yeah. put your coats on, Put kids. your coats on. It's snowing. Yeah. We're in the Midwest, and it is, it's been snowing it's been since snowing. Halloween. Yeah. That's strange and crappy. We didn't get any trick-or-treaters on Halloween because it was snowing. <laughs> I'm so mad. <laughs> So now we have three bags of candy. Exactly. (laughs) But if you think about it, like, depending on what culture you're from, you know, like Indonesia and parts of West Africa and in traditional Scottish, men can wear clothing that looks a lot like what we would call a skirt. Right. So, you know, who's to make, who makes those rules? And even as far as, you know, I was thinking about this, Anna, when you and I were talking about doing, and even... I said to you, yeah. when you said something about doing, I said, I, I'm cool with that. I like wear men's clothes every yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. And that's a great point about like, like I said, like how men are really crapped on for this. Right. It's like, not fair at all. More. It's yeah. not fair. Because I wear a dress maybe twice a year and it's usually a funeral or wedding right. when I wear a dress. And I, so I wear trousers, I wear slacks, I wear pants. Granted, they are probably designed for a woman's body. Yeah. But I mean, in. But the only reason that happened was because some, it was more accepted. Right. So it, so at what point, who was it that said, okay, okay, we're going to let women wear pants, but we're not going to let men wear dresses. Right, yeah. When did that happen? <laughs> the only thing I would say, guys, if you want to wear them, go for it, is a bra. Just do if it. If you want to wear a bra, dude, you do not want Also, wear, like. But we can't wear jock straps. I read. Or not, I don't, you know. I've never looked at a jock strap, so I don't know if it'd be comfortable. <laughs> they do but not look comfortable. I, I read about something in the cross-dressing community called underdressing. Which is where someone enjoys cross-dressing, but they want to go about, especially men, I will say, again, because of exactly what we're talking about, mm-hmm. but they will wear, like, women's undergarments mm-hmm. in, in their daily life. Dude, even if you're not into cross-dressing, do that. Like, women have some real silky pants. <laughs> if you enjoy the feeling of silk on your yeah, bottom. Yeah, if you're, like, a tactile person, like... <laughs> Walk into the women's underwear section. Just like feel some of them. They're really nice. And see, I would I've have never to- been rich enough to buy that nice of panties. But if you want to, do it. I would have to kind of go the other way on that. That some of the undergarments that women wear are like a little restricted. Are a little uncomfortable. Yeah. So you and know. also as someone who wears boxers a bunch, uh-huh. like not usually in my daily life, but especially when I get home, I just put on boxers. Like. Yeah, I was thinking that too, Anna, because I was thinking I had said to you, you know, that I wear men's clothes to work or whatever. And then I was thinking when I go to bed at night, I wear men's underwear, technically, because I wear boxer shorts to bed. So I'm thinking, oh my God, I wear men's underwear. I have, those are my my sleepy clothes, (laughs) quote unquote, are like boxers and an old shirt. My jammies are are men's shirts. So yeah. So this goes back again to, you know, that we're judging all this by our cultural norms. Yeah, it's totally 
socially based. And it so- is a social construct. Clothes are a social construct. Right, exactly. A social construct. If we would all be, <laughs> I had a kid say to me the other day in religion class, you know, if we if we lived in Jesus' time, we would all be wearing the same outfit. <laughs> And you're like, you go to Catholic school, so you already do that, kid. You already wear the the girls get to wear skirts and the boys don't. And that is so, oh, it burns me because like, I don't know, even if I was a dude, I would probably like to wear a jumper every now and then just to get some air down there. (laughs) You do sometimes wear skirts and stuff. See, I'm not a, I just, I don't do that. I don't do skirts. And also, you made me wear jumpers a bunch when I was a kid. You're so cute, jumpers. Leave me alone. (laughs) And those little bib overalls too. Oh my god. Well, that's a pretty. That's a pretty manly, manly thing. So cute in those little bib overalls. Bib overalls seem like a masculine coat. Oh, you put pink bows on it, so it was feminine coated. There you go. All right. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) Clothes are stupid. So we've come back around to this place where it's back to the reason that you do it. The reason that you wear it. So we like, let's just specifically take um, like silky underwear. Yeah. That is traditionally in our society, women's underwear. Because right. like. Well, and especially with like the way capitalism and marketing works. Right. Things are marketed so as you, women's and men's underwear. Right. Exactly. So you get this real silky underwear. So a man who cross-dresses and wears that silky underwear might be doing it simply because he likes the way his bottom feels when he wears. Sure. It's not a sexual thing. It's a tactile thing. Right. He also might be wearing it because it is a sexual thing. Sure. And it turns him on to wear those underwear and then come home to his wife or significant other right. person. Or, you know, he might be wearing it because he can't find a pair that fit him properly. I, I don't know. Maybe, what? you know, there maybe are so many. You do what I do, except opposite, where I'm currently wearing an undershirt that I believe is my husband's because I grabbed it out of the laundry basket and I thought it was mine. And you say, whoops. I was like, it's a white undershirt. I am wearing it. And halfway through the day, you go, I don't think this is my shirt. <laughs> I think it's probably more difficult to do that with underwear, but I mean, I think it's, it's not impossible. definitely more difficult if it's a bra. So I but. suppose so. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, again, it's like if you're. It, this goes back to my thing of like if you're not hurting someone, like it's fine. <laughs> it's fine if you're not hurting anyone else, or you're not hurting yourself either by you know social pressures or guilt or shame or any of that stuff that I kind of listed. Right. Whatever. Whatever. And Life that, is too short. That's exactly right. And it goes back to what you said about the DSM and that idea that when it starts to cause issues in your life, when you have issues, you have issues yes. about it, then you need to decide, why am I having issues about it? Do I need to change it? Right. How, what do I need to deal with? Because there might even be a situation where you're doing it and someone figures it out and they're freaked out about it, but you're like... It's fine. But but that like might be it. your issues because somebody's freaking out. I guess. So then you got to deal with it. why is that your problem? It. That bothers well, me too. Yeah, I get you, it. I you get it. You have to deal with it. So, But it goes, it always circles back to self-awareness. Always. Yeah. It always does with us, right? It does. Because yeah. that's our shtick. Well, because in, more generally, the why. We like to go back to the why. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's part of our existential why? nature. <laughs> why? Yeah. Why? Why? Why, though? That, like you said, there's a lot of reasons. It could be performative. It could be because of the texture, like the tactile sensation. It could Mm -hmm. be pushing societal norms. There's so many reasons. And the easiest way, and I'm going to like specifically talk to the person who suggested this to us, like if you have a friend who is doing this and you're not sure how to approach it, you're not sure what to make of it, 
Hopefully this has given you some information on the background of it, but that's not actually going to help until you like talk to them about it. Exactly. So the easiest way to figure this out is to ask them. They're mm-hmm. they're the only one who can determine why they're doing it. And like I said, one of the key things of any gender or sexual identity or just anything we do mm-hmm. is how the person self-identifies and self-labels. So it's not going to do any good to speculate. It's not going to do any good for you to know all the history about cross-dressing if you don't ask them. But ask them in a respectful way. But, Absolutely. But if you feel comfortable to do so, approach them about it. I would hope that if you do that in a respectful way, that they would be open to approaching it and addressing it. And if they're not comfortable talking about it, then hopefully they would just respectfully also say, no, thank you. Talk about it, yeah. Like, I'm not ready for that. Mm-hmm. But again, if you approach it with empathy and you approach it as like a, I want to understand this and I want to help you understand it, if you need to do that, great. That's awesome. Right. Because the other kind of step over from self-awareness is communication. To help you understand those around you and those you care about yeah. is to talk to them about it. Exactly. Ask them about it. Exactly. Yay, that's good. I like that ending note. I like that's good. That's good. Let's end it here. (laughs) How about if we ended there and say thank you to our sipsters? How about I thank the people for listening? Oh, okay. All right, you do that. Thank you so much for listening. We so appreciate you being here. I would say we wouldn't do this without you guys, but we would still be doing it. We just like talking <laughs> into microphones. But, and to but, each other. And to each other. But we really appreciate and we And we so appreciate people sending us submissions. Like, thank you so much, Sophia. We hope this answered some of your questions. Mm-hmm. Um, if it didn't, feel free to email us again and we'll just talk to you. You know, um, we, are, we are a listening ear for anyone who needs it. But thank you so much. People send in your submissions and just interact with us on social media please do and you can find us on twitter and instagram and facebook all at freudian sips pod as well as our site of course freudian if you want to get a hold of us directly you can email us at freudian sips pod <laughs> that's hard for me to say freudian sips pod at gmail.com we're also of course on a patreon if you want to support the show we're you know. uh we're, we're reworking our patreon are we? if you are currently listening to this and not skipping past all the promo stuff that we do mm-hmm. um if you have any ideas for like what would you would like to see as a patreon reward please like tweet us or send us an email or send us just a message on anything because i i want to rework how we do patreon and like maybe the reward tiers mm-hmm. so i want to know what you guys would like to see mm-hmm. with that we've kind of been thinking about doing a little extra audio content that maybe we would offer but that is maybe in the future anna's got all kinds of things cooking I've got in her brain things in my brain that's right uh, please remember to leave us a nice rating and review if you can do that wherever you are listening we always always love to hear from you our theme music is sweeter vermouth by kevin mcleod and it sounds like this I think that you should just use that. <laughs> <laughs>